Coming up next, the spookening reads Shredney Vashtar. Welcome to the Spookening. This is your humble and obedient ghost. There we've got the scholar who's a mauler of bleeding, Brandon Chestfiend. Ooh, how are we doing, Brandon? Doing great, Nathan. How are you? I'm doing quite well, thank you. And we've got Pastor Jacob Menskiller, the pastor who's a master of bleeding. How are we doing, Jake? I'm bleeding masterfully. That's what you do. Now, Guys, today, this is day three of our horathon, our spooktacular week, Wednesday. And today, I think we might be getting to something that maybe we like. Maybe. I hope you guys were pretty hard on Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. Excuse him for helping invent the form of the short story. What a jerk. <laughs> oh man, I can't believe his writing style doesn't come up to the writing style of 21st century Americans. I can't believe he didn't read his Hemingway and learn to cut down on those thickets of verbiage. I can't believe you were interested in dark psychology. Nobody's interested in that, except for you, Poe. You're not popular or iconic <laughs> at all. And if you are, there's not a reason for you He doesn't to be. understand why people took our Lewis episodes personally. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you make a fair point, Jake. I guess I've learned a valuable lesson. One that, star. <laughs> one star. <laughs> Guys, and then we read Young Goodman Brown, a we spooky did. story of witchcraft run amok in old New England. Oh, boy. <laughs> was that scary? Oh, it was and terrifying. Then, as if our teeth hadn't already chattered out of our mouths, as if our listeners haven't been locked in the closet already for two days out of trepidation and fear that they might come across a ghoul or a spook if they should venture forth or a critic or a critic (laughs) (laughs) we are daring to talk about the story of a ferret that (laughs) kills an old lady (laughs) maybe we don't know for sure shredney Uh, yeah we do vash tar (laughs) By one H.H. Monroe. Ooh, also known as Saki. Also known as Saki. <laughs> Brandon, provide us some much needed Saki. Context Saki? on Saki. Yes, oh, provide us some much needed Saki. I would love some Saki. You have some? Nope. Um, oh, yes, I do, in the form of Shredney Vashtar. Nathan, as you already mentioned, he he was known as Hector Hugh Monroe. You didn't actually say that. You said H.H. Monroe, which yep. you would go by. Um, also known as Saki. Mm-hmm. His pin name. Cool. So there we go. Thanks, thanks, Brandon. That's it. <laughs> and elucidating, or illuminating as always. Uh, he has he had an interesting life, but it was a fairly short life because he was born in 1870. He was killed in World War One, and he has no known marked grave. And so, fairly short life. At his time, he was known primarily as a journalist. He's lived on more in uh, modern memory as a short story writer. Mm-hmm. This is one of them. This is this is a famous one. You mentioned the storyteller to me. Yeah. But also, what are some of the other ones, Nathan? I'm not as familiar with Saki. Uh, we had a series of stories about a guy named Reginald, and it's very much in the vein of Oscar Wilde. Reginald is this witty, kind of cynical young man who causes trouble and says witty things. His early stories are like just collections of people saying witty things. I think he coined the line, she's a woman who would be gratefully improved by death. If you've ever heard that, Balmain, he came up with that. Uh, yeah, so he was th- a witty guy. Yeah, he's a kind of a Oscar Wilde 
type guy. Truman Capote type. He kind of reminded me of a Truman Capote type figure. Yeah, but the storyteller, if you don't know that one, is about a guy who's on a train with three brats who won't shut up, and so he and their aunt is trying to corral them, and so he tells them this grotesque story of a little girl who's awarded a medal for obedience and a medal for good manners and a medal for charity or something like that, and then a wolf comes seeking her in the garden and she hides in the bushes and the medal for obedience clanks against the medal for good manners as she's cowering in the bushes and the wolf drags her out and devours her and the children are all thoroughly pleased at this story and their they're aunt not, is horrified not the aunt, yeah it's it's oh he was good at those cynical little strychnine stories stories laced with strychnine is would be my pull quote that i'd put on the yeah and the, the aunt in that story and also the cousin in the one we read, Shredney Vashtar. Shredney Vashtar is however you say it. Mm-hmm. They're loosely based on the puritanical grandmother and aunt that he was raised by. Yeah. Um, because he was born in Burma in 1870, but his mother and his father both um, died. And so he had to be raised by his grandmother and his aunts. Maybe his, I don't know if his father died when he was young, but his mother did. Um, his father was an inspector general of the Indian, Indian, I have Indiana Imperial Police, but I think it was <laughs> the, Indian. The Indiana Imperial Police. <laughs> the Indian uh, Imperial Police. And his mother, Mary Frances Mercer, when she died in an interesting way. You know how she died? No. <laughs> she died from shock after being charged by a cow. <laughs> and so- I hate I, when that happens. Yeah, yeah. I found this article on him. He said, Saki's mother was killed by a cow when he was a child. If that doesn't turn you into a writer with a morbid fascination with and deep-seated fear of the natural world, nothing will. Done to death by the very emblem of placidity and plenity, nothing could ever seem safe or homely again. There you go. And I think that's probably true. So this, and a lot of people that I read about Saki or Munro, really pinpoint this moment as kind of a <laughs> defining moment in this child's life. Is his you mother. don't say. Yeah. <laughs> the death of his mother. When she was uh, shot, when she was, but the strange death of his mother. Implement how that. Uh, I think that the death of one's mother, no matter how strange or banal, would be a pretty defining moment. You would but think. I'm going to say, if you add cows to the mix, that just that <laughs> just matches it up. It might just twist your imagination, and then you add a very strict and puritanical grandmother and very strict and puritanical aunts, and you have the recipe for would later become Saki. <laughs> Very, yeah, I actually read another story by his not too long ago. What is it called? It's called The Penitent or The Penance or something like that. It's about a guy whose chicken coop is getting raided by a cat. And so he kills the cat. But the three children who live next door who own the cat see him do it. And so then they just stare at him across the hedges until he starts to go mad. And they say, like, we're going to get, he buys them candy and he finds it all shredded up in his yard. And then finally he leaves his own baby untended one day. They steal it. They climb up onto a, the barn and drop it down into the mud of the pigsty where it, starts, where it starts to sink. He dives into the mud, begins to sink and die and starts to bargain with the children. And they say that he has to stand outside by the grave of their cat and perform some kind of a a ritual of penance or they'll let him and his baby die and so he does and it's a it's a beautiful story <laughs> he does it wow <laughs> Zaki so the- just like to do this weird british kind of boring banal life meets i don't know uh, what like uh roll doll yeah very roll dollish actually yeah. yeah and um and roll doll would have been writing not too much later yeah he did he started his career as a journalist for newspapers uh like the westminster gazette mm-hmm. daily express mm-hmm. 
The Morning Post. Good to know. I think The Morning Post is still around. Yeah. Also, The Bystander. And apparently his first attempt at becoming a writer was actually he wanted to be a historian. And so he wrote The Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire, which was uh, modeled after uh, Gibbon's book, The Rise and Fall of the Western Empire. Right. And it was not a very big success. But during that same period, he began to write political satire, which would then take him into short story, mm-hmm. satiric style that we have today. Right. Within the one that we read today is not so much a horror story as it is the biting something. I don't know what it is. <laughs> biting neck. <laughs> yeah. But, like I said, he had a fairly brief career because he was published in the 19, like ni- 1900 is when he got his start. And then by the 19 teens, he was dead mm-hmm. because he died in World War One. So there's not a whole lot other than his success with them as short stories, becoming a known writer that really there's to say about him other than the fact that he was a homosexual. Hmm. That's a real shocker, isn't it? Yeah, that's a real shocker. I didn't see a lot about that other than the fact that people say like you do, the real shocker, puritanical ants, mother died early Mm -hmm. and wanted to be a writer in this time that like Oscar Wilde, that's generally a recipe for a homosexual mm-hmm. and a repressed one as well. Mm-hmm. And so uh, do you have much more to say about him? The only other thing uh, I have to say is where his pen name came from. Yeah. Where did his pen name come from? Um, there are multiple guesses. Nobody really knows where it comes from. Some say it's a reference to a cupbearer in the Rubaiyat of Omar Khayyam, which was a famous poem in the mid 1800s. So his Go translation ahead. would have come out in his Saki's was, lifetime or sorry, it wasn't a bit before that, a little bit before, yeah. but it would have been a big yeah. deal still. I think it was particularly the translation. Let's let's figure this out for sure. Because What's the I, guy name of the guy that did that? Is it Fitzgerald or? Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's look it up because this was a big deal. I think especially for like the romantics and stuff. Yep, Edward Fitzgerald, nineteen eighteen fifty nine. So it would have been the Victorians, not the uh, not the uh, romantics. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you were right, Fitzgerald. So it was either taken from that or there is a a person named Imlyn Williams who in his introduction to a, so- a Saki anthology says it could have actually been taken from a monkey. It was a South American <laughs> was a monkey's monkey. monkey's pen name. And he- yeah, it was a South American monkey of that name, which at least uh, two commentators, Tom Sharp and Will Self, have connected to the small, long-tailed monkey from the Western Hemisphere. That is a central character in the remolding of Groby Lington. So it's either a cupbearer from a famous work from the Victorian era, which very it was influential for all sorts of writers at that time, or it was from a monkey. <laughs> Like a specific monkey or a species of monkey? I'm still not That's, clear. There was it may a, be a reference to the South American monkey of that name. So let's see if we can find a picture of this. <laughs> is that a species of I monkey guess, called Nathan, Saki? Or is it there, was there one South American monkey who was Saki monkey. a famous Victorian up. monkey? Yeah, here's a Saki monkey right here. A Saki monkey? <laughs> a Saki monkey. You want to see it? Yeah, I hear Saki monkeys are right going to be really big this Christmas. Oh, I don't know that I've ever hated anything more than that. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Looks Nathan. like it's wearing a wig. It looks like a vulture face on if you smushed a vulture or if if a vulture stood in one of those mirrors that makes you look fat like at the circus you'd have a saggy monkey there's another one yeah that's that's horrible yeah apparently that's who he's named after thanks for not shoving that one off of the ark noah yeah i don't think we need saggy monkeys not a fan what an ugly creature and apparently a saggy monkey makes an appearance in the remolding of groby linkton which is a story by h.h monroe there you go so that makes sense. I, I'm I'm of the monkey camp. You're, you're in the monkey camp. Sure, why not? <laughs> in the Saki monkey camp. I think the I think most people commonly think it comes from the Fitzgerald yeah. Rubaiyat of Omar Khayyam. So, well, have you ever read the Rubaiyat? Yeah, I'd read bits and pieces of it before. I don't know if I've ever finished it, but yeah, 
It's got some nice stanzas in there, I guess. So there you have it, Nathan. All right. Well. Anything you want to add? Oh, just that I've enjoyed Saki over the years. I think he's kind of a, what, what what do you want to call it? He's an unknown quantity. Most people. Yeah, I had not read much of any Saki. I've read something by him before I know. He's got a few story, a handful of stories, this being one of them that are pretty commonly anthologized. I never read this one. I, I want to say I've read an essay by him for some reason. There's a famous one about a girl that tells stories. Again, she manages to cynically frighten somebody with them. I forget what the story is called, but the last line is pretty famous. Romance at short notice was her speciality. There, there's like a handful of stories that just find their ways into seventh and eighth grade textbooks and sorry i just remembered things like this yeah what, what was it the rubaiyat that was influential for the pre-raphaelites uh, the yes. rosettes the good old pre-raphaelites yeah, that's, that's who it was i knew they influenced somebody and that's who they influenced it became like a cult classic for that group of people when i think of pre-raphaelites so. i think of my homeschool friends who were girls who had posters of christina rosetti Christina Rossetti and other things along those lines. Knights rescuing maidens. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maidens underwater and all that great pre-Raphaelite art. So, guys, what do you want to say about Shredni Vashtar, that naughty <clears throat> rodentious demigod or whatever he was? Or was he? I read it with some students today. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How'd they like it? Uh, some of the students immediately, they were, as they were leaving class, they told me they were going to start the cult of Sredni Vashtar. Okay. That's good. I, I feel like you <laughs> so, <laughs> and the booking is a success then. <laughs> which that, I didn't know what to make of that because some of these students that were saying it probably, they may have been serious. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe them of aunts or mothers or anything like that, that they're not particularly fond of. Yeah. Teachers probably. Teachers. Yeah. <laughs> Don't go into any Yikes. shreds <laughs> or shreds that I just say shred. Yeah. Shed. So, um, one student found it sad oh yeah yeah to think about the isolation of this conradin kid and yeah jake your thoughts i don't know that i have a lot of thoughts i feel like i've maybe read this before and it so powerfully affected your psyche that you're not even you're too scared I'm to talk right sure. now i'm not yeah that's <laughs> you're it, so exactly. spooked out by the I'm idea so spooked yeah and it so powerfully impacted me that i'm i'm not sure if i had read it or not it is a good little short story i guess it was fun yeah, yeah. I mean, it accomplishes a lot. There are things that you can talk to students about. Such as? Oh, well, like, what are his comments on belief? What is he saying about, because Conradin has this cult that he builds, is he making a comment on what it means to... Oh, you're one of those teachers. Well. Well, what's, what's the answer? Is he making a comment no, on we try We talked belief? about it. I'm one of those teachers. What do you mean, Jake? One of those teachers that makes his students think? Just let him have fun with the short story, man. Oh, oh, oh. It's a fun short story. It was a fun short story, but no, we, it's a allegory of belief. It's not. It's not an allegory of belief. <laughs> was it a trick question? Like it doesn't say no, anything, no, no. idiots. <laughs> I'm not saying I enjoyed the conversation. Brendan's <laughs> <laughs> like, like most most illuminating. Listen, I needed to get this read for tonight, and I had to justify it yeah. by making some conversation I'd already read about it. it I, made, I made him read it again. <laughs> I thought it was fun and entertaining, but then we read this. St- you want to know what really happened? And I hope my yeah. students aren't listening. Yeah. I thought this reading the story was going to take all the time. And then we got to the end and we still had like 20 minutes left in class. And so we had like, oh crap, I've got to talk about this It's an AP length class. And so we had to, the thing that you're supposed to look for is character theme and setting, stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So I said, okay, let's just, let's look at the characters and the themes. What do you think comes out? So of Mm -hmm. course they bring up the cult versus the cousin's religion. And Mm -hmm. so then it turns into a conversation of belief. So there you go, Jake. 
I wasn't trying to get them to that point. The cult had real power as opposed yeah. to the cousin's religion, or did it? Or did well, it? What do you guys think? Was Shredney Vashtar actually? Uh, uh, did he did he listen to Conradin's prayers and kill the ant on purpose, <laughs> or was it just? coincidence yeah so that came up in class too and the ambiguity of the ending so one mm. of the students pointed out the fact that you don't see the ant die no she could have just died of a heart attack you don't know that Sredney Vashtar killed her but Sredney sure. Vashtar comes out with blood on his muscle well, doesn't he they point, yeah. it could have been the berries it could have been were there berries yeah he feeds them berries and uh. feeds them the red nutmeg so there's just the ending is ambiguous no it's not it's not because the people you hear the servants saying who will tell the (laughs) poor child and conrad smiles and makes himself another piece of toast but see that's we don't do we've we've made the point that we don't do those sorts of analyses on the booking that's not what we do here (laughs) but i just want to point out the fact (laughs) to these dumb students yeah (laughs) (laughs) no no no. brandon's students are really smart but we had a fun conversation because we had to (laughs) listen there's a difference between leaving things ambu- ambiguous, like the ending of Inception, I suppose. The top could fall or the top couldn't. We don't know whether it's going to fall. There's also a kind of ending where you don't leave things ambiguous, but you just simply leave things implied. That, leave it to the imagination. You leave it to, to the imagination. The, yeah. It's more fun to not actually travel, have see the ant's body and it's 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 just it's just no what's fun is that conradin was inside and didn't need to see it he's had he he knows what happened he's gonna make himself some more toast yeah Yeah. she never let him have toast now he's gonna have a second slice yeah because she was killed by a ferret because she was a ferret that then walks into the woods and he's a god because he's vashtar shredding vashtar the beautiful yeah and he gives good things to his followers and I was glad that my students' takeaway, well, I, I actually was kind of glad that their takeaway was, this was fun, let's go start our own cult. <laughs> <laughs> they were joking. Yeah. But that gets back to the fact that in the end, they just did just see this as a fun story. The discussion didn't ruin it too much, Jake. <laughs> oh, good. I, I really think you should have asked, do you guys think that it's good to worship ferrets? <laughs> no, I don't. Jake, your thoughts as a pastor. <laughs> 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 well, I'm... Um, I'm concerned about the poetics of this hymn. Oh, let's hear the hymn. I don't remember it. Shredney Vashtar went forth. His thoughts were red thoughts and his teeth were white. His enemies called for peace, but he brought them death. Shredney Vashtar, the beautiful. Shredney Vashtar went forth. You think my Solomon lines would sing that? <laughs> yeah, that's what I, I hope so. <laughs> I sure want to bet a metal band has done a song. Zero dollars. I bet you zero dollars. About Shredney Vashtar. Seems like the kind of thing that some dumb Norwegian metal band. Some metal band has at least taken this hem and set it to music. Yeah. There is a band on Bandcamp named called Shredney, Shred- Vash- named Shredney Vashtar. Yeah. There you guys, you guys, a metal band. Yep. Oh, can we hear a little bit of them? I'm not getting anything. Here, I've got this. Is a... Do you the volume on your actual computer? Uh, thank, thank you, Jake. You're welcome. All right, folks, we're listening to a little Shredney Vashtar. Hold that up to the microphone, uh, Brandon, so our listeners can get a taste. They're dressed as terrifying gypsies. All right, I'm bored. You want to keep watching this? No. (laughs) 
Good heavens, no. Okay. They apparently picked up on the hidden theme of horror that I didn't see in this story. <laughs> I was kind of trying, I was wondering why this was included in a horror anthology. It well, seemed more of a tongue-in-cheek satire to me. Honestly, I first encountered it, encountered it in a horror anthology, and I've seen it in lots of horror anthologies. It's one of it's like a perennial of horror anthologies, and I think that's probably why it's lasted. Not because it is a good, a great horror story, but simply because it gets reanthologized in little horror collections all over the place. Weird. That about a boy that starts a ferret cult, and then the ferret kills somebody. But that's funny. Yeah, I know that's funny, <laughs> that Brandon. it's a ferret. You and I both know that when ferrets kill people, it's hilarious. I mean, despite the ridiculousness of our com- our discussion, anybody can read this story and see that he is... The uh, ferret? No, he's just... He's making fun of everything, right? Yeah. That's the point of this. He is making fun of religion with this story. Is he, Brandon? I think so. <laughs> Either that or he's a he had a ferret that he worshipped. Those are your two options. Maybe he really believes in the mystical power of belief. I think there's probably maybe a political reading. Maybe he wished. Maybe he wished that his mom would die from a cow, and then it happened, and he got fascinated with the whole idea. Now there's a reading none of us came up with, Jake. That is a reading. I'm gonna say maybe he wondered if his dad or somebody else wished his mom to die from a cow, and then he wondered if he could do the same. He maybe spent his whole childhood wondering if he could control animals like that. Maybe yeah. a demon cow made him. See, write this. my my take on this is that he was an effeminate homosexual agnostic who decided to write a story so inter- far so good to entertain the other <laughs> um, <laughs> effeminate <laughs> agnostics of the time about so us the weakness of belief yeah. <laughs> yeah i really think that we are conradin the ant is like the one percent she's like trump she's controlling yeah. us right oh this and, is a this is a narrative of power this is a narrative of power did you say us like us in this room well you said so and such and such people to enjoy, and mm. we all just said that we enjoyed it. So. Like Conrad well, is yes, the disenfranchised, yes. right? He's women, <clears throat> he's people of yeah. color. This he's, narrative of power, let's hear it. Yeah. An, and then, then the ant is like the 1%. She's yeah. oppressing him. And then Shredney Vashtar, what would he symbolize in this narrative? Bernie Sanders. He's like Bernie Sanders. Yeah. <laughs> he is like Bernie Sanders. Yeah, you feel the, that, that ant shirt felt the burn at the end. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> in the end, I just think it's a fun story, and Donald Trump won't let us it eat. Falls toast. apart. But you can't you... like it unless you're an effeminate homosexual. No, no, you can like it. Isn't that's, that what you said? No, that's not what I meant. <laughs> but it is what you said. I'm pretty sure. Everybody who listens to the booking knows I'm the most masculine heterosexual that's ever lived. And I like this story pretty well. Yeah, I mean, you've got your bow and arrow slung across your so back. So much right for now. your right. story, Brandon. Yeah, yeah, so much for my story. Yeah. Well, the ferret eat your neck. Yeah. <laughs> kind of literature teaching that you get at Lighthouse Christian Academy on display right here. Yeah, yeah this is awful stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's do some donor shots. Scream outs. <laughs> Hey, I, I like this story. I think it's a fun story. It's there's not fun, there's, no, there's nothing story. to say about it, but I recommend that people read it because it's it a lot fun. of fun. Brandon, I'm sorry. You're a great teacher. Thank you. You are Brandon is a fantastic teacher. As, really as, as everyone that listens to the bookening knows. I was only just reaching deep for something I could bring to this episode. <laughs> bring to this episode. I think it was fun, Jake. Okay. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think the only in the end this story is really fun. And some, I think what this is evidence of is sometimes you can overanalyze something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes there's not a lot to say. And maybe that's the real and lesson. And I think that's, that's kind of what we've said in the past is sometimes when you overanalyze things, you just bring out stuff that everybody knows already, but mm-hmm. doesn't, why, why do you they have to articulate it? 
Right. Why do you have to articulate it? Yeah. We all know that that's... sounds smart. We it's all not know... about being smart. It's about sounding smart. Yeah, it's about sounding smart. It's we all know people. those things about Munro. Mm-hmm. We all know that those things about his urbane sensibilities come through in this story. But in the end, who cares? It's a fun story. <laughs> it's a fun story. Like the fact that it entertains us doesn't mean... And the fact that maybe he wrote it for his urbane fans and we still enjoy it, it doesn't mean that you're urbane and effeminate. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to mean that. It could just mean that he, despite himself... Wrote a fun little story. Yeah. That's entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> about a ferret that kills a cousin. <laughs> you know who else was urbane and pretentious with their stories and doesn't entertain me? Uh, Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> oh. Shots fired. Guys, let's call out. I'm with you on that, Brandon. Yeah. I support that. I take back everything I said. <clears throat> Booyah. Booyah. They tried to give each other a uh, high five, and Jake's Jake's hairy mole rubbed against Brandon's <laughs> fat. Um, <laughs> let's let's call, let's scream out! This is our most loving episode ever. <laughs> yeah, there's been a lot of love in these these uh, this horror week of horror, or whatever we're calling it. <laughs> People don't realize we're trapped in a cabin together, <laughs> yeah, and surrounded it's... by a forest of willows. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to talk about that one. We'll talk about that. We'll save that one for last because I'm not going to put Lovecraft last. <laughs> Ooh, <but laughs> why not? Oh, That's the goodness. best one. <laughs> oh, it's me. Oh, I am the monster. <laughs> save it for tomorrow, Brandon. All right, let's oh, a piece of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty bad. I don't uh, even remember. I didn't even remember reading it. I read it like last week and then I was like, wait, what is this outsider story? Jake, and I was like, what the heck? I'm going to give you the privilege of reading to our <laughs> listeners tomorrow the first sentence of this story because this is doozy. It's one of I the most awesome. nothing could make me wish that I was reading Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. I literally forgot that I read this stupid thing last week. I was like, what is this story that is... He has selective amnesia about this story. (laughs) Did I forget to read this? And then I finally remembered, oh yeah, this is that story that I was like, what the heck? Why are we reading this? The most influential <laughs> horror writer of the 20th century, guys. Fair enough. <laughs> and, and I guess we'll, we'll, I don't. I don't see how this proves that. <laughs> Boy, does it not, does it not? <laughs> but we'll talk about it. Let's scream out, Galactic Princess Emily. Ah! Ah! Jeremy, the dark hooded Lord of Death. Ah! Don't even have to scarify that one. Nathan, yeah, not Prince's baby, Doom Doom me. die or whatever. Yeah. But, <laughs> Prince Prince Bear, or we could say Prince Scare, and Ooh. Princess Bug, or I'll say Princess Slug of Death Doom Die. Ah! Ew. Oh, got a little girl wow, in there. Yeah. That was gross. Death, death rattle. Nathan, yeah. not me. Oh! Nathan, like a hangman's not me, I should say. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know how to make this one scary. My And, of course, Ryan, the dead Avenger, and Judith of the Ladies of Just Knives. Yeah. <laughs> Just Knives. Yeah. Yeah. That's... <laughs> and Danny the... Danny the Jude. Like, hey, Jude, because John Lennon was abusive. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> <laughs> and DJ Sammy G. Did you say me G? Ah!
Okay. All right. We'll call out some more people tomorrow and we'll read H.P. <laughs> Lovecraft's Spooktacular Festival of Fright. The Outsider. <laughs> oh, no. Why? Why? Okay. Bye, everybody. Thank <laughs> you.